Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it, whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. Uh, Miller Lite, great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. And as always, please celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. I want to clarify something I said in the uh, open. That uh, Ben Roethlisberger, that was two women that uh, he was involved with. Two accusations there, not just one. Because I was talking about Ezekiel Elliott, that's six games. I still would want to argue that you can say this is his uh, first offense. If there's four women and the NFL and the judge agree that something happened with those four women, to me that would be four separate offenses, not just an umbrella that says, hey, it's just one incident with four different women. Albert Breer's been all over this story. He's also traveling uh, the country going to NFL training camps, which we'll get to. Um, The NFL has three days to appeal. What do you think is happening right now and will happen by 9 a.m. on Thursday morning, Albert? I think there are a lot of league officials that are probably on Twitter right now, Um, (laughs) like just sort of taking the temperature for what the public reaction to all this is. Because I don't think that that is – I think that's a very relevant piece of the whole thing. So um, how's the public reacting? I think that's that's a piece of it. You know, of course, I think they're going through their own um, options here. And really, to me, there are three options. To, number one, you can pin this on Sue Robinson if you're them. And you can say, we negotiated this process two years ago with the union. We respect the process. We don't agree with her view of the facts. But the process was a good one, and we'll stand by what she said. The second option would be you go to eight or 10 or 12 games, and you say, now this is our decision to do this. We believe there's a little bit more um, there than Sue Robinson thought. And if they do that, then it becomes their decision. And then the question is, is that enough? Like, does the public look at an eight or 10 or 12 game suspension is enough? And then maybe because Deshaun Watson wants closure, 
he accepts it. The third option is the nuclear option, which is you say, we're going to do what we want to do all along. We're going to give him a year. And then you wind up in court, I, I think. So, and if you wind up in court, that's the other part of this, Dan, that's really interesting is if you wind up in court, that could mean Deshaun Watson plays in the opener. Yeah. Because at that point, if he sues, then almost certainly the union would seek a temporary restraining order to stay the suspension. And I think he'd probably get it. And if a court stays the suspension, well, then Deshaun Watson's playing week one against the Carolina Panthers. So, you know, I, I think the easy route out here for the league is to set, is to pin it on Sue Robinson because the other two options are taking ownership of the decision. And I think with one option, it's, is it enough? With the other option, it's you're going to war again. What do you think happens? You know, for a while, I've thought that they were preparing to leave this alone. And I still believe that. Like, I think that they've set it up in a way. And I've said this to you. Like, they've set it up in a way where they can leave it alone because they already got word out there. Um, And you and I talked about it, I think, a few weeks ago where, like, the judge was clearly upset that so, so much of this became public, right? Well, why would the league, which is so PR savvy, risk angering a former district court judge? Yeah. Like, why would they do that? Well, they would do that because they felt like the thing may not be going their way. And if she makes a decision they don't like, then they would have the recourse to say, we tried. And so I think the easy route out now is to pin this on Robinson and say, this was her decision. This is a new process. We negotiated this with the union. The owners don't don't want us involved in every piece of this anymore. We're going to respect the process that we set up two years ago with the union. To me, that's like the cleanest exit. And I don't think it's a value judgment on what happened with Watson. I think it's just sort of protecting themselves going forward. The other two, I think you be would be more of a moral play. Yeah. And I, I think the question is, like, do they have the appetite to spend a year in court with another star player and make so many facets of the NFL season about Deshaun Watson, because I think you and I both know, you remember the year Brady was in court the whole year, like that would not go away. Like he'd probably be playing week one. He'd probably play the whole season because the court process takes a while and it would be a talking point throughout the NFL season. In a month from now, nobody's going to remember this judge's name. This is going to be on Roger Goodell. Mm -hmm. Whatever happens, he either did or he didn't, you know, try to, you know, drop the hammer on Deshaun Watson and, and trying to, you know, they are you know, PR savvy, but I wonder if you go, hey, we tried, but we have to respect the process here. Now we have to move to change what, you know, the penalties are. Because all she did, if you read the 15 pages, which I know you did, she just used the history, yep. recent history of punishments here. You bring up Zeke Elliott or you bring up Ben Roethlisberger. She said, yeah, the NFL made your case. You made your case, but, you know. That's this is what I'm going to give. I can't she can't change the policy, the punishments that you've given. I don't think that's what I was surprised that the NFL thought she's going to do something on her own, which that's not part of her job. I don't think it was just, hey, you asked me to look at this. I'm looking at this. This is what I'm recommending. That's it. Judges operate on precedent, you know, and judges like her charge in this whole thing is to make a decision that will allow her to write a brief that is appeal proof. Like the judge, the goal of any judge in a situation like this is to do something that's very fair and down the middle and 
like takes into account everything that's put in front of them and nothing else, right? And then in the end, be able to put something on paper that is going to be very, very hard to challenge. And if you read the opinion, like if you go into it, it's really interesting some of the things that are in there. Like it, you can see her playing both sides of it, right? Like, he, like I, one of the mo- one of the most glaring things to me was they both found she both found him responsible for sexual assault and also called it nonviolent. Like to me, like that was maybe the most interesting thing. And then she came up with her own definition of sexual assault, which is unwanted sexual contact. Contact. Well, is that by definition violent? So like there's, there are a lot of things in there where it's like, you can see how she's sort of serving both sides. And I, 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 this is just me reading it, Dan. It's really hard if you look at it to challenge her process. And that's, that's the one thing everybody, everybody here has to remember, right? Is if the NFL appeals this and appeals it to Goodell or his designee, they can't, they can't change the facts. The facts are the facts now, right? Like, so you can't go and find, eight more women to talk to and, and, and change the, like, the facts of this case or the facts of this case. And so like what you'd be doing is you'd be challenging the process that Sue Robinson went through. And if you read that brief, it's actually pretty hard to challenge the process she took to get to the decision that she made. He's Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter. He's the Monday morning quarterback. Was there a deal in place for Deshaun Watson at least offered a deal yeah, there was no deal in place, but yeah, there were deals offered. So there were two sets of settlement talks, essentially, one before the hearing, another after the hearing. The first set of settlement talks went absolutely nowhere. The NFL was insistent on at least a year, and they said, if we don't get a year, we're going to seek an indefinite suspension in the hearing. Watson's camp wasn't going to go for a year. That was that. Like, there's just no getting past that. I think when like the interesting part of this that never got out. And I think this is fascinating. She actually told the parties in the hearing to expect a ruling the first week of August. So like, as all of us were like, where's the ruling, where's the ruling? Like the people involved actually knew that it was coming when it came and she delivered it when on August 1st. So like the timing of it was exactly what she said it was going to be. The people who were involved think she gave them that month to try to settle it on their own, which is common with judges, right? Like give the parties time to figure it out on their own. Mm-hmm. They did get back to the table. That was the second set of settlement talks. My understanding is the league offered a deal that would have been 12 games. So it would have brought them back for the last five games of the season and a fine of close to $10 million, which is what he made last year. So if you think about that, that would actually allow the league then to say, well, last year, that actually, that, that was a suspension. So because he got docked all his pay from last year. And so that would have allowed the league, if you think about this from a PR standpoint, to say, we got pretty close to what MLB did to Trevor Bauer. Because he's been off the field for a season and then three quarters of another season. Mm-hmm. And he lost all of that money. So that was their offer. And my understanding is Watson's camp was willing to go to about six to eight games but not beyond that. And so um, that's sort of where the divide was at the very end before they let Robinson go ahead and and make a ruling here. Yeah, boy, that's rolling the dice. But it worked out because, you know, uh, training camps, you've been uh, in Green Bay. uh, Thank Bills. 
Browns, Steelers, Bears, Colts. Let me start in Green Bay. How's morale with Aaron Rodgers this year? It's so calm there. You know, like I remember going there last year. I was there day one um, last year, and it was just everything was hitting the fan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and um, I actually sat down and talked with him for about 25 minutes yesterday, and um, he just seems very at peace with everything. You know, like he just – this is it's almost like this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my career – and he, it feels like he has ownership of the offense. He has some level of ownership of the roster. He's in lockstep. Like I talked with Brian Gutekunst about how they fixed their relationship last year. Um, he seems like he's in a really good place. And it was interesting because I asked him about what the last year was like. And, you know, some of what we went through was the criticism he took, you know, over obviously the, the va- vaccine issue. And he said, like, it sort of taught him, to try to stop paying attention to everything on the outside. Like, I guess people like me and you, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, and just focus on the people who are around him as allies, the people in the locker room. And it's just sort of simplified his life, which I thought I, no matter what you think about what happened with him or whatever else, like I, I actually look at it and he he was pretty, like, I I think it it put him in ultimately wound up putting him in a pretty decent place. Here's the other thing. With Devontae Adams gone, the other thing I talked to him about was how that team is now built sort of the way the Patriots used to build the teams around Tom Brady, where they didn't overextend to put skill position players around him, but they're super well-rounded. Dan, that defense looks like it's going to be electric. I mean, they have seven first-round picks starting on their defense. And I, I think one thing that's interesting about it is as Aaron gets a little bit older, now because they're really good defensively, they've got a really good running game. They're going to have to. They're going to be able to ask less of him, you know. So he doesn't need to be Superman every week. In fact, he told me like when I asked him about building the roster, he mentioned like the special teams players. He was like, "I'm really excited about." I'm not even kidding. Like he was like, I, he was like, "I'm really excited about these guys we have on special teams." He's like, "Because the last couple of years that's cost us." It was it was really really interesting, and it's a very different tone than I've heard from Aaron in the past. You're in Minnesota. I'm fascinated what was going on with Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins, that you have a coach who I guess didn't like his quarterback. I don't know if the quarterback liked his head coach. And so what changed it? You even had the GM of the Vikings saying, hey, we don't have Tom Brady. Like what is what is Kirk Cousins, you know, mentality going into this season? Well, I mean, I think it's got to be like just – like any quarterback his age where to some degree you're like fighting to extend your career. I, I do think like to me, like what's happened in the NFL quarterbacks fascinating. I think you and I have talked about the Mahomesization of the NFL, right? Like how like good might not be good enough anymore. So the Rams trade out Jared Goff to get Matthew Stafford. The Niners try to level up by going Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance. The Browns go from Baker Mayfield to Deshaun Watson. And to me, it's like, if you're going to, look for that sort of opportunity. Sometimes you have to be patient, right? And so I think what the Vikings and Raiders are doing is really interesting because to me, it's sort of like what Alex Smith was in Kansas City, where Alex Smith was a really good quarterback who puts you in a position to compete in the here and now, establish a program and build a roster and buy you time to wait for the right opportunity. So I think that's sort of what Minnesota is doing now with Kirk. And I'm excited to get to talk to him because he obviously has the relationship with Kevin O'Connell from Washington. And 
they're going to run the offense that, you know, he came up in and that he played great in, in Washington. And so I, you know, the way I look at it, he's got a really good team around him. He's got a coach who likes him. He's got a system that he's thrived in in the past. And I mean, yeah, of course now, because of his age, the juncture juncture of his career, he's at like, he's fighting for his career because like all for all that stuff I just said about like buying yourselves time, you don't know when the right opportunity is going to come along. It might be next year, you know, and then, He's going to have to, he may have to find work somewhere else. So I think he's just at a really interesting juncture of his career. And like where I look at like Kirk Cousins and, um, and Derek Carr now is sort of in the same spot Alex Smith once was with the Chiefs. Did you see the sideline video when they won a game, last second field goal, mm-hmm. and Kirk Cousins pushes Mike Zimmer? Mike Zimmer yeah. pushes him back. And it looked like, <laughs> and then it looked like Mike Zimmer wanted to go after him. Yeah, and then you find out that Mike Zimmer it didn't look like it didn't look like fun and games. No, no, it's like one of those like, hey, we won, boom, <laughs> and then he pushes his quarterback, and then I thought, oh my god, like Zimmer wanted it looked like he wanted to fight Kirk Cousins after a win. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that thing went sideways, and I I don't know, I'm not sure. You know, Zimmer always had his issues with the uh, with quarterbacks, like Zimmer, and I love Zim, like. I, I, he has a little buddy Ryan to him. You know what I mean? Like he always had a little buddy Ryan, like resenting the offense to him. And if you talk to the offensive coaches, they would tell you like how they were restricted in certain ways because there was a certain formula he wanted to play, play with. And that would highlight his defense, you know, and Buddy Ryan was always that way. Rex Ryan coached that way to some degree. So I think Zimmer always had that sort of old school, like a little natural resentment of the offense and the quarterback. If it were to get in any way of his defense performing at the level that he thought it could. (laughs) (laughs) I know you went to say. It's good that I bring up Buddy Ryan because Buddy Ryan actually punched uh, an offensive uh, an important offensive person on the you know, side. Kevin Gilbride. Kevin Gilbride, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, before I let you go, any... Can you imagine I know... if that happened? Can you imagine if that happened now? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Sue Robinson would have to hear the case. And then <laughs> yeah, it would... We, would, we would be getting a 15-page report on it. Uh, quickly, the Buffalo Bills, you went to see them. What's If there's one issue, everybody loves Buffalo. You got any issues with Buffalo? Punter. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like when I asked them, I was like, I, like I looked at the raw. I mean, I, I, I it was my first stop, um, and um, like that team looks like it's loaded. I mean, honestly, even like you think about like the running back situation, right? So Singletary and Moss, right? Like they think James Cook could be like a poor man's version of his brother. So now you're putting him in the backfield with a couple of other good players. Like Gabe Davis is up to almost 230 pounds of, of good weight. Like, looks like he could be a monster. Um, Kair Elam, you know, like looks like he just, not that he's making plays left and right, but just, just sort of blended in with the first defense. So I, there's reason for real optimism in Buffalo. I mean, if Josh Allen can pick up where he left off, and they really think like from a leadership standpoint, he hit a turning point at like halftime of the Tampa game. They wind up losing that game, but they came back from way behind. Um if Josh Allen picks up where he left off, left off, I mean, I don't think I'm speaking out of school to say that could be like a 14-15 win team. And you go back and look at Josh Allen's rookie stats, they're worse than Zach Wilson. Go back and look at 
honestly, Dan, go back and look at what everybody was saying after that first year about Darnold, about Mayfield, and about Allen. I mean, like, I think there are a lot of people, there were people who liked Rosen more than Allen back then after his rookie year. So it's like huge credit to Josh Allen because we don't see that. Like normally, like, like after a year, we're not that far off. You know what I mean? But if you read some of this stuff after 18, the stuff people were saying about Josh Allen, I mean, like, I don't know, the cold, cold takes exposed guys probably have a field day with it. (laughs) Uh, Safe travels. Always great to talk to you. Thank you for your insights. Thanks, Dan. That's Albert Breer, the Monday morning quarterback. I was uh, one of those people with Josh Allen. There are times I, I said, I don't know if he knows how to play. I, I, I would watch it and I go, he's so raw. Had all this talent, big arm. I just wondered if he understood how to play the game. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it Whoa, Okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. It's a beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters the most. It's a light beer that tastes like beer. That's why I reach for a Miller Lite. And it's less filling, only 96 calories. They've been doing this since 1975. They have perfected it. You know, that summer afternoon, we're coming into that time of the year, be like, oh, man. Crack one? Yes, or two. Don't look at your watch. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the calendar. You know. Miller Lite, the great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can pretty much find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. 
Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. He used to kick footballs, now he kicks ass. He's Pat McAfee, host of the Pat McAfee Show, along with A.J. Hawk on YouTube and SiriusXM, the uh, former punter for the Colts. Uh, More likely to get injured punting or being a combatant in WWE? Hey, Dan, thanks for having me on. Uh, Thanks for always being a trailblazer. You know, I mean, you're such a smooth talking guy and you have such a big brain. Like whenever you did that read for Link Soul before you went to break there, I was on here. I was like, damn, I need that stuff. You know what I mean? Like I was like, damn, I need some Link Soul. I need you say laser fitted some sort of thing in that whole. I'm like, damn, I need Link Soul. And then you just cut a promo for Benzo there on the other side. I'm like, I think we need to buy. You're costing me a lot of money, Dan. It's because of how good you are at your job. So I appreciate the invite. Any time Fritzy's name pops up on my cell phone, I get excited because obviously we take, um, you know, great pride in the fact that we're in this daily sports talk world and you're obviously a pioneer of it. So thank you for the invite here. Uh, with that being said, almost died a couple of times at SummerSlam on Saturday, Dan. That's uh, And I've never almost <laughs> died punting. So I, I would go with SummerSlam and WWE as opposed to punting, but both certainly a lot of fun, a blast in high anxiety situations. But if I talk to you at 12, Do you want to be a punter or would you want to be in WWE? WWE, for sure. I never wanted to be a punter. I mean, obviously nobody, you, you <laughs> fall to punter, Dan. I mean, we all know that, you know, you've never, you've never, uh, went up to a kid and said, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say, well, like astronaut or a cop or a fireman or a baseball player or football, but nobody goes, I want to be a punter in the NFL. Because if you have dreams or dreams or aspirations of being a punter, you probably kick the hell out of a football or a ball. Yeah. So you probably want to be a soccer player, you know? And if you're in a wide receiver or a quarterback or a tight end that inevitably ends up being a punter, that's because your team told you like, Hey, this position ain't going to work for you. You should probably go try fourth downs and punting balls. So at 12, definitely want to be a WWE superstar. My entire life, I wanted to be a WWE superstar. That's really the longest dream I've ever had. Getting to play in the NFL was a massive, massive honor. So thankful for that. But WWE has been the thing that I've wanted my entire life, Dan. Were you a position player before you became a punter? No, I was a uh, soccer player. I'd show up on Fridays. I'd just kind of walk in with the fans. The first game, I had no idea really how to put on my pads. I walked in with our student section because I had a soccer game before it. I uh, walked across the field, had really no idea what was going on, just started bombing balls like I was the guy, Nigel, from replacements. I, um, I, I was very fortunate to grow up in Pittsburgh, a football town. So growing up, I played a lot of football on the streets and backyards and things like that. NFL was my favorite sport to watch, but I was supposed to be a soccer player, and then football just happened after a punt, pass, and kick national championship, and I happened to have a cannon attached to my right hip. When did it change for you in this business? When did it click that you went from a, somebody who wanted to do it, you were doing stand-up comedy, like you're trying to figure all this out after your career, but then it clicked. What changed? I don't know, Dan. Honestly, I have no idea. I think when I was playing in the NFL – I was doing all this stuff. So I had a podcast when I was in the NFL. I did uh, a one stand-up comedy tour with a couple other side shows while I was in the NFL. I had a merch business while I was in the NFL. I um, was, I, I was very fortunate to do, uh, do the Bob and Tom show weekly 
when I was in the NFL as well. So I kind of got a chance to dabble in a lot of different stuff while I was still playing. And when you're a punter, you're able to do that. You know, there's no addendums going into any punter contracts about watching more film outside of the facility. So with less mental management on the plate for me for being a punter, I was able to do a lot of stuff. And I just started getting real fulfillment from everything I was doing off the field. And I found out that there was a business side to it as well, that I could maybe make some money off the field as well. So once I kind of reset everybody's finances around my family and friends, the NFL, I was super pumped to be there, but I knew that afterwards I was going to enjoy life as well. And I've obviously gotten incredibly lucky with this entire run thus far. But I remember we had you on after you made your decision. That might've been the Houston Super Bowl, And I, you said you could still punt, but you were done. Like how mentally do you get to the point where you go, I'm done with this? I don't know. I mean, it's just like, Punting, like you said, whenever you're 12 years old, you think about punting? No. Like, even in college, I was a kicker first before I was a punter. I became a punter basically out of necessity, and we're doing the rugby punt, which was a rollout to the right, and I was just trying to line drive it as far as possible. We'd be in games, and I have nothing but respect for all the punters in the NFL. I love them. I put them over every single weekend because it's not an easy thing to do. It is a difficult thing to do. You don't really get a chance to bounce back either. If you have a bad rep, you got to go sit on that for, like, 35 minutes. But in the fourth quarter, you know, you're down 21. Like a punter can't do anything. Like I'm just standing there. I'm along for the ride, just like everybody else. In soccer, I was like a point man on basically every team I was on. Even when I was kicking at West Virginia and punting at West Virginia, I was at least in the game. It just got to a point where after eight years, I got a chance to get really good at the craft. I got to learn a lot. I got to experience great teams and great teammates. And I understand the value of field position in the sport that I've watched my entire life and didn't really fully comprehend. Uh, but I just, my brain is super active, super active every day. I'm sitting in there because there's not a lot of film for us to watch as punters. So I'm playing cornhole for like three hours in a locker room where everybody else is watching film and doing all that. And my brain is just running with like a thousand ideas. Like I should be doing this. I should be doing this. I could be doing this. I could be doing this. And you always think the grass is greener on the other side. You never truly know. So for like three years, I contemplated retiring and just kind of attacking life outside of football. And I don't think it was until, you know, kind of took care of everybody, you know, me and the GM didn't get along. He didn't like, he didn't think I was funny. I mean, that was, that was very, pretty apparent. He did not, <laughs> he did not enjoy me. It just, there was, a, I was staring down another knee surgery. It just felt like, it just felt like the universe was telling me, Dan, you know, and obviously it could have got to a point where the universe was completely wrong. And I still feel like I could probably go punt for a couple of teams if I wanted to. Uh, and that would probably last for at least another few years as I'm almost, hey, I'm almost 40 now. I mean, I'm 35, but damn, I'm getting old, Dan. So I don't know. I just, I felt like the universe told me the timing was right. And um, I was, I got very fortunate with the team I had. I mean, it was just, it was the perfect timing and I'm very, very fortunate for it all. He's Pat McAfee, host of the Pat McAfee show and a former Colts punter. What was your reaction? Um, I guess immediate reaction when you heard that Andrew Luck was going to retire. So I was watching at home just like everybody else. Right. And, uh, I mean, that's what comes out of nowhere. Fourth quarter preseason game. Oh, and then the, obviously the stadium, there's a couple hundred people in there still who have made it through a preseason game uh, to the fourth quarter, one in which Andrew Luck was not playing, who is our franchise player. So maybe a little boozed up, we could assume, and they boo Andrew on his way out. And I think it was more so booing the situation, not Andrew, because I've never met anybody in Indianapolis that didn't have the utmost respect for Andrew Luck because – 
I got to see it firsthand. You know, that dude took an ass beating. I mean, just on a regular basis. And it was just his style of play. And he would thank everybody that hit him. And he never got too fired up with people that would obviously blatantly miss blocks for him to get hit. I've always said I thought he was too nice of a guy. The most talented most talented person I think I've ever seen. His brain is so large. You have to use context clues just to kind of keep up with conversations with him, right? I'm a, I'm an idiot, but that it really felt like that. He was so smart, so incredibly smart, so athletic. He was so good at quarterback. He understood the playbook quicker than anybody else. He had a photographic memory. He's fast. He's tough. He's all these things. I just think his style of play and him not being a, a mean enough person. Like I always said, I wish he could watch Peyton for one year. If he could have watched Peyton, not that Peyton was mean, but Peyton demanded and commanded respect and also like, hey, this is a business. This is who I want to do business with. Andrew was still like, hey, I'm a high school college football player at the beginning. Uh, you do the coaching. You do the deciding. I'll do the playing. I wish he would have took a little bit more ownership, which I think he did towards the end of his career, which is a natural thing. Uh, but I was lucky to watch that guy. And my first reaction whenever he retired was, damn, the league is going to miss him because of how explosive and electrifying he was on the field. The Kyler Murray story, you got Deshaun Watson's story. Like, how do you pick and choose what you dive into and what you don't on your show? How do you guys do it, Dan? What do you guys do? I find, and I, I ask the Danettes, I just say, what are you hot on? Because if, if we are hot on it, then I, then I think, you know, I can buy into it or vice versa, and then the audience is going to trust you because they tune in already trusting you. And I think that what I want to know is what is something that's really important to somebody here? Because, if you know, we could go down the list and go, is anybody interested in that? Nah. How about that? Nah. Oh, that. And then the room reacts. And then I sort of take I grab that. That's the baton. And then I take it. And then it's up to me to run the, uh, you know, four by four hundred. Well, and you do that very well, by the way. You run the hell out of the thing like a gazelle. But the I think that's the right move because you guys are so established in the OGs in this whole thing. You know, you guys are the trendsetters. So Rich Rodriguez gave uh, a motivational speech to our team one time, and he said he wants a team full of thermostats, you know, not thermometers. You know, we set the temperature. We don't tell it. And it was like, it was so profound whenever he said it. And I assume we were getting, I assume we we're getting yelled at for it, but I, I found that to be like such a profound statement. And I think when we were starting, we were trying to look at what everybody else was talking about. You know, we were trying to watch every other sports talk show who we assumed had better scouts, better producers, more equipped to talk about what we should be talking about. And that lasted, I don't know, probably four months, five months. And then we got to the point where, where much like you, we go, right, what do we want to talk about? You know, and if, if our conversations are good, like if you build it, they will come is kind of the hopes. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes we miss some stuff that everybody else is chatting about strictly because we're either too dumb to talk about that particular thing or it literally never came up in our universe and we completely missed it. Would you use steroids in the WWE to make your body look you know, like like Ultimate Warrior, like, you know, one of those. I mean, I can see you, you're kind of jacked, jacked. Thank you. Kind of, kind of jacked. But, you God. know, but like an actor, you know, these guys in Hollywood, they'll use performance enhancing drugs. You're an actor with WWE. Would you consider you're a performer? Would you consider steroids? So they have a, a, a whole wellness policy over at the WWE because of, I think, what you are alluding to, where there is, you know, they drug test rather oh. often. 
Really? At the WWE. Yes, they they actually oh. do. Now, there's always going to be people that talk about some people maybe aren't getting tested. There's always conspiracy theories about everything. But I've been tested and given my blood to the WWE numerous times. So now this isn't like, part of your stand up act. You're being serious, right? You're not 100 percent serious. OK, percent. <laughs> because it was, by the way, there was a lot of things that happened whenever you start injecting your body with stuff and people who are already maybe high energy or very emotional. And then there was some stuff that has happened through the evolution of human and the evolution of uh, WWE where they have had to put in different rules and evolve hopefully, you know, and I, I think the wellness policy is a big one because of all the things that you are uh, kind of, I think, immediately thinking of. Now, with that being said, when I was in the NFL and we'd see a guy walk into the locker room who was obviously on something that the rest of us would not take because of a failed test. There was an immediate chatter out of my brain. Like, well, as soon as I retire, I'm getting on whatever <laughs> that guy is on, you know, I'm getting yeah. on whatever that person's on. And you'd see somebody come you, walking in, just yoked out of their mind. I'm like, okay, so that's just what you're just drinking protein shakes and stuff. And then ha ha laugh. I'm like, I'm going to get into that. So I think as I've grown older, I have uh, found two things difficult to find in Indiana where I live. It's not just something you walk up to a corner store and say, Hey, I'm looking to look like this guy that walked into the locker room when I was playing, yeah. what do I need to take? And also I think I'm, I'm starting to think more about life. You know, I thought I was going to die young for a long time. I was burning that thing from both ends real hard. I think it's well documented. I think everybody knows that. But now that I'm getting older, I'm trying to, you know, take care of myself a little bit. And I don't know if I just want to shove everything that horses take into their bodies into mine. But if science gets to a point where it's healthy and safe and it's not going to kill me too young, I will certainly take something that will make my metabolism be a, a little bit quicker like it used to be, my recovery time a little bit. But I haven't dove into those waters just yet dan patrick what what does your wife say when she sees you on stage you know with you know kind of showing off your body hey my wife's sweet man we just celebrated our second anniversary yesterday and uh right. thank you thank you paulie you had the uh the under oh i lost McAfee. big yeah. lost big yeah oh you weren't the only one Bob. <laughs> you weren't the only one i, I think uh you know i i've always i don't know man i'm just a goer I always have been, Dan. Just go, 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 go. And I, I rarely have any beef with anybody because I'm not around long enough to have beef with anybody. I'm normally just in and out. Here we go. Uh, what's next? What's next? I've been very driven my entire life. I think anybody that's ever known me would know that I've been trying to become successful literally forever. So I'm always thinking like, what's next? What are we doing? Hey, how are we doing? Let's keep it moving. And my wife is the first person that ever like, I think tried to be like, hey, you're allowed to like hang out for a bit like you're allowed to like i'm not just gonna let you just walk out of my life like this is so she, i don't want to say she tamed you know the stallion here but she kind of did she kind of and she's a super supportive person of me she understands that i've had these dreams a lot longer than we've ever known each other so she is fantastic uh she is a great cook though so every once in a while i'll get in a good shape i'll be like taking care of myself and then I'll come home and there's just like these cinnamon rolls and like these chocolate chip cookies and all this stuff. And I am, I have no discipline. I will dive in there, Dan. So it's a team effort. So but I think she's pumped about it all. Does she ever just say, shut up? Oh yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, I've been with me for 35 years. I say it to me all the time. I, I couldn't even imagine what she says. Uh, but yeah, but you have a better body than Peyton Manning's. I think we could agree with that, right? Yeah, well, I don't know. His body uh, took him to a Hall of Fame. I think he's a... Not his body of work, his body. 
Well, I mean, his body is his tool. What are you talking about? Do you no, see his those? mind. His mind. Oh, yeah, but have you – those – hey, those wobbly balls ain't going to throw themselves, man. <laughs> what do you think this is? No, uh, quarterbacks, I don't, I don't think – and it's kind of changing now with the evolution of offense and what quarterbacks can do. But back in the day, there was a lot of bad body quarterbacks, you know, and they actually – Like who? Quarter- all of them. You basically go through all of them, bad body. I mean, because they wanted to keep their muscles loose, like a basketball shooter or a golfer. Like guys didn't want to get too yoked up because they thought they would mess up their throw. So now it's all of a, it's a little bit of a different game where guys got to take hits. And I think they're getting a little bit more yoked up, but I think Peyton had a, uh, a solid body and a body of work, obviously. Yes, he did. It's like Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger, he had big head syndrome. Go through them all. Any of those pocket quarterbacks probably had a hilarious upper body. I mean, I mean, the lower body is going to be strong. Core probably going to have to be strong, right? Because there's a lot of that and, um, you know, throwing. But normally arms, chest, traps, neck, pretty relaxed. And that's normally how people are uh, judging bodies or not. You know what I mean, Dan? Give me, a, give me a double gunshot here before we go here. Let's see, let's see what we got here. Let me wake him up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wait, <laughs> it feels good, man. I'll tell you what. My knees are still sore, though. Uh, knees still sore. Uh, I, I still gain like 25, 30 pounds and lose 25, 30 pounds like every two, three months when football season's coming around, just like I'm still playing. Uh, but I'm incredibly pumped about where life is. And I can't thank you all enough, honestly. Hey, congrats. No. For trailblazing in this world. And also, let's win it. Let's get you guys a damn Emmy. What are we doing? <laughs> Paul, Fritz, Seton, boys, what the hell is going on over there? How come these shows that are just Johnny come lately, okay? <laughs> Johnny come lately, childish stuff are winning Emmys and you guys aren't. What is the deal? We're, the, we're the Buffalo Bills of, of, uh, of Emmys. No, you're not, because you guys have a kicker that's going to make the kick. Oh. And that, that happens every single time. I don't understand mm. what the deal is. What yeah. is, just, is it because you're too handsome, Dan? You think it's because you're too handsome? Oh, gosh. That's what they've told me that before. That, yeah. I th- so, I, you're right. I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, you don't want to have a comedian who's good looking. You know? Not relatable. Yeah, right. See? So, so you are too handsome for sports I think talk. So. So. I think even so. though your show, how many years? How many years have you been doing this? Uh, well, we've been together sixteen years since I left the mothership. How? How do? You, how have you done sixteen off seasons? I just got through what my third one. Oh my god! There Every is no day. off season. Yes, there is. Are you? Ta- I, I was trying to find out what I heard that a jury or a grand jury would indict a ham sandwich. That's what I was told. Okay. I'm trying to learn these legalese stuff. And then for two, three weeks, I'm talking about litigation. I have no idea about any, I don't know how you did it, Dan. You're too smart. I'm not smart enough for it all, pal. Uh, Tell AJ, I said hello. Congrats again. Great to talk to you, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. It's always an honor. I will tell AJ and I'm sure he says hi. That's Pat McAfee, host of the Pat McAfee show, co-hosted by uh, AJ Hawk. You can find it on YouTube and uh, Sirius XM. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. 
absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. This is where real conversations happen. Listen to the Right or Wrong podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's rich. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. We know that quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you and your partner whenever you want. Two beds in one, firmer or softer on each side, you decide. And it helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature as well, quiets their snoring, so you stay sleeping comfortably all night long. Sleep Number does everything. My Sleep Number setting is 75. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep. They provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. You will never need another bed. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Eisen, the host of the NFL Network, the Rich Eisen Show on Peacock that follows ours, and he joins us on the program. How's morale, Rich? Morale's great, Dan. Um, You know, not to pull back the curtain and uh, peel back the layers, but uh, you sat down like 10 seconds before the segment began. That was a very Berman-like move out of you, Dan. Uh, normally you're in place, you're in position, best I can recall from back in the day. I mean, you sat down, headphone on, you did the read. Yeah. thought you were talking about my family being extraordinary, but you were talking about Mercedes-Benz, which I understand it's your sponsor. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, that's my observations to kick off this conversation. I would always cut it close on SportsCenter because oh. it was such a long walk from the newsroom all the way over. And inevitably you'd run into somebody or somebody would hand you something and I'd sit down. Now I never got to the point where the music was playing with the sports center theme, but I, I cut it closer than I needed to. So I still have nightmares about showing up late 
Yep. For Sports Center. I have them too. Uh, one of the first times I, I almost was late uh, was in the very, very, very beginning back in 96 when I come down the stairs from the third floor where you had an office and I had a cubicle. Um, and I come down the stairs to walk to the second floor hallway that gets to the studio. And uh, that's where I first met Craig Kilborn, who uh, asked me if I was the new guy that was on the air. And I'm like, yeah, I was. He goes, that's right. You're doing a lot of my stuff. And then we we, quickly, we walked the other way. Uh, that's the way I got introduced to the the great Craig Kilborn, Killer Kilby, Lord Kilby himself. Yeah. Did it get any better your relationship with Kilborn <laughs> since he accused you of basically plagiarizing? It did. It went up from there like a rocket ship, Dan. <laughs> I had him on this show just last month, so uh, you know he's still Kilby. He's got a pod now. He's got his pod now, and uh, he's doing great. So, yeah, we're good. Well, I saw where Keith Oberman has a podcast now. Craig Kilborn has a podcast now. Yeah. And it's the worst thing you can hear. Hey, I've got a podcast. Would you be a guest? Well, but the answer is, yeah. I mean. I know, know. but like you would do it. But Mm -hmm. I had somebody say, hey, I got a podcast and uh, I'm only going to keep you for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And. So I go over and, and basically I'm sort of in a closet and, and the, we went an hour. I had to interrupt the person doing a podcast to say, hey, I, I got to go. And he goes, oh, I thought we were having a great time. Yeah. Like I didn't want to be mean or rude, but after 20 minutes, we got to 60 minutes and I had to say, I got to go. It's when the host overstays his or her yes. what invita- invitation. I don't know what it is, but you can tell, you know, obviously, Dan, you having been done uh, your show um, since the beginning of time, essentially, uh, at, Dan- at ESPN, you can tell when you're interviewing somebody that you've gone a little bit longer than they expected. Their answers get a little bit yes. shorter and clippy, right? I mean, you can... I can say, I can feel it. You know, it took me a few years to figure that one out, but I can sense it now. And you know? sometimes when you're in, in front of somebody, you can tell. I mean, it's easier. They have a tell, like, I'm kind of done with this. But, but then when it's on radio or a podcast, you have to listen for that. And I did an interview with David Harbour from Stranger Things, Hopper, yeah. and he was unbelievable. And then he got to a point where it was around 28 minutes, mm. and the answers got shorter. And then I realized, okay, I got to I got to wrap this up. So I I think I asked one or two more questions, and then that was it. But he gave me the hint because the answers got shorter. It's the hopper line. The twenty eight minute is yeah. the, the <laughs> hopper line when things get stranger. And- well, somebody will go. Hey, you got a couple of minutes. It's never a couple of minutes ever, <laughs> ever, ever. Yeah, right. I'm with him. Yes, I am. With All right. So the commissioner is on the clock here. Ah, yes. What do you think the commissioner will and should do? Um, I think what he's what he should do is double the suspension because that I think puts Watson and I b- would believe the Players Association in the in the uh, position of maybe suing. I don't know if they would sue if he does the full year. I think they end up trying to place this into court. And that's where we can see potentially a restraining order being put in. So Watson plays week one. And I don't know if the league wants that to happen. 
And I think they maybe just double the suspension, make it 12 games. So, you know, Watson can return this year. Um, And it also is a significant suspension more than the six games. Obviously, six games is a third of the season. But I'm already seeing players in the league tweeting about, talking about, and I'm hearing what they're saying as well, that six games is essentially a, a, a vacation for him. Um, it doesn't bite into his salary because of the way that the Browns um, put his contract together. So it, it, it doesn't go the full year um, where that would potentially, I think that would absolutely trigger a court case that he'd like to avoid. But outside of all that, um, I, th- that's what I think he should do because 12 games is significant. What if he doesn't do anything? Well, I mean, not doing anything it would be born out of him trying to um, show that this process wasn't, if you will, a sham, that this is what was collectively bargained uh, between the players and the judge, and that even it is though it is his right to jack up the suspension, he won't do it because of the potential criticism that he will not um, uh, take this process seriously. And um, I, I don't think he's going to do that and just leave it the way it is. That, that's the only reason why he would leave it the way it is. Because you saw in, in the, in the, in the um, opinion, if you read what the judge wrote, she basically said Watson did it, wasn't remorseful about doing it. Um, but due to the way that things have happened in the past where the league has moved around what the, the precedence is for a suspension because the, collect, the, the uh, policy was kind of a mess with the Ray Rice issue. And that's even brought up in there and Brady with the Flategate that the league has moved the goalposts, if you will, on what's precedence and what's not in the past. And so I, I think maybe, just maybe, they're pointing out how what a mess it used to be to say that precedence is this now. And if the league leaves that precedence, then they're, they're done with the past and they can reset this policy moving forward. I don't think that's what the league's going to do. I think they, they will up it. Mm-hmm. I heard what you said in the previous segment that you're hearing the hammers being brought down doubling the suspension might be the the way to kind of thread the needle. Yeah, I just don't think you could put somebody in place and then all of a sudden say, we don't like what your first ruling is, so now we're going to Bigfoot you here. Then the next time this happens, we're like it just kind of sets a bad precedent. And it feels like everything is precedent here with, hey, this happened to Zeke Elliott. This happened to Ben Roethlisberger. Therefore, the judge came to this. Hey, here's the precedent. You had a ruling, and we didn't agree with it. Now we're going to bigfoot you. I, I don't. It just gets into dangerous territory. I don't like the ruling. Right. I would have suspended him for a year, but I also have to factor in everything she pointed out in you know in her summary here. I'd like she was fair to the sample size of and the history of everything that's happened here. I don't like it, but I blame the NFL for getting in this position. Well, I mean, ultimately, it's Deshaun Watson that's put everybody in this position. And um, so there's the court of public opinion that matters, Dan, because everyone seems to forget um, that, yes, this is a judge who's deciding this. And yes, this is a collective bargaining agreement that has been hammered out between two sides. Uh, of a business. And that's what this is. It is a business. This is not a court of law. This wasn't a grand jury. Those are the people that um, we should potentially take a look at down in Houston as to why, if this was defined per the uh, NFL's collective bargaining agreements definition of sexual assault, 
then why didn't that meet the bar legally? What's going on there? Um, this is not the judge and jury and the actual judge and jury. This is the NFL. This is a business. And the court of public opinion matters. Yeah. And there yeah. are enough uh, consumers pissed off about this that I believe the NFL is going to act. We're talking to Rich Eisen, NFL Network host and host of the Rich Eisen Show. You can watch that on Peacock following our show. The Nationals are in the process of calling up multiple minor leaguers. I would believe Juan Soto is gonzo. And I'm I'm here in the Cardinals. I'm here in the Cardinals, but I I don't have any any verification on that. I mean, it could be the Padres. I don't know, but I'm wondering if uh if He's going to go to the Cardinals, but that's well, whoever it is, happening. they better not send him. They better they better not send him a commercial ticket, right? They should. Uh, they better send the jet. Oh, okay. Get him, yeah. right? Yeah. Because that's as we all know, that's that's the way you treat Juan Soto. You better send a, <laughs> you better send the jet. You know, you don't you don't put him in first class for the for the home run derby. Are you I, I, are you going to be a Rams or Chargers guy this year? Who goes farther? Oh, the Rams. You know, this is this is West Coast, um, you know, or East Coast bias against the West Coast. Dan, what if the Patriots? <laughs> honestly, take take a look at what the Rams did last year, All right. and what they did in the off season, and adding Allen Robinson and adding Bobby Wagner and keeping Aaron Donald in the fold and their coach in the fold, and Cooper Cup is getting paid. Look at how they have set everything up for their repeat possibility championship season and just imagine if the patriots were the team just remove the rams and insert patriots in that spot insert giants insert cowboys in that spot the whole country would be descending upon rams training camp and trying to figure out what's going on it's just because it's los angeles and everybody figured you know stafford that was a a real nice story got a, a, a a you know a tv commercial out of it you know a phone commercial a phone deal out of it Honestly, they, they've set everything up. They've got the coach, the quarterback, the wide receiver coming off a triple crown season. Cam Akers is more healthy. They've got Wagner behind um, behind Donald in front of Ramsey. I mean, they're set. They're set. And, and the rest of the division appears to have gotten weaker when you assume the Niners are going to start a, a quarterback that will have even more ups and downs than Jimmy Garoppolo, which is saying a lot. So um, I will take the Rams. 1,000% in that, Dan. Yeah, but we haven't had repeaters uh, since the Patriots in 03. Correct. First two seasons of NFL Network, as a matter of fact. Those were the last time. That was, and we're turning 20 hmm. next year. So it's been a while. That said, um, I, I'm not saying they're going to repeat. You asked which one's going to go further. And I need to see what the Chargers look like. They have made, uh, I'm sure, a Charger fan um, – would 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 counter that they got Khalil Mack and they added J.C. Jackson and it's another year for Justin Herbert. Um, and I do like what they've done and what they can be. But that division, I think, is much tougher than the NFC West. And I'll take the defending champs in that construct. I worry, and, and you know this, um, since we work in the business, like the mothership last week was all in on the Raiders. They had a day and a half where all they did is talk about the Raiders. And so they're the hot team. I always get nervous with that when somebody's like, they're all in on 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 a team and, and the Raiders. And then, you know, Derek Carr says, hey, you know, nobody talks about us. I'm going, do you watch ESPN? <laughs> well, I've been on them since March when they got Devontae Adams and then signed Chandler Jones. 
that, and I called my shot saying that, you know, and I've, I've talked myself into it. Are they too hot though? Rich? Well, I'm taking hot? them to win the division. You know, I'm taking them to win the division. Wow. I, it's so rare to add somebody like Devonte Adams and normally anybody that, want a piece of Rich Eisen pie to the face. No pie, no pies, no pies. I knew you were going to go on the pie. What? What do you mean? How about a cake? Not a pie. <laughs> a cake to the face. I don't know. A baked good might have more heft to it. I, I, don't, I don't know what you're Fritzy, talking about. Man. Yeah, Fritzy. I think we do a potato knish to the face. I Why don't, don't we pot- do that? Potato knish. Very on brand. Very on brand. And if they're eliminated by Hanukkah, it would be perfect timing, right? Exactly. Like, so that would be, okay, that would so no weird. pie to the face. So you, you're not. Come on. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a total dartboard shot here because it's the toughest division in football. All right. I mean, if, what if Fritzy with, takes the Broncos? Oh, that'll take. Okay. Yeah. For, for a knish to the face. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever yes. a knish is. Okay. Well, it's, 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 it's like a potato, uh, sort of like a potato calzone is the way I would okay. describe it. The goyim out yes, there. Yes, Which that could okay. burn. Goyim. I'm just saying. It could, it could be pretty hot. Okay. okay. You got to be careful with a knish. Okay. So, Fritzy, you got so we're the... saying the Broncos will finish better than the Raiders. Is that... Uh... A refrigerated knish to the face. Yes. To make things the, the safest possible. Yes. yes. Let's do that. Let's All do right. that. Fair enough. That's fun. Fair enough. Absolutely. While while the rest of the Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen show staff do the horror around us, <laughs> we do that, lift us on a chair. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, like, know, you know, you know that happens now where it's not a Jewish wedding. Really? I went to two weddings this summer, and they're sampling because all of a sudden somebody's up on a chair, and I go, "Wait a minute, wait, is he Jewish?" And then they go, "No," and I go. Wait a minute. That's not cool. You can't sample traditions like that. That's like the Seinfeld episode where, uh, you know, uh, Tim Watley, the dentist, he, he became a Jew just so he could tell Jewish jokes. I mean, that's not <laughs> that's not cool. Like, you can't just take the, the chair and, and the whole row. And I say, agree. Mat. You got to take the guilt. I was going to step in <laughs> on behalf of my Jewish brethren. And I was going to say, hey, yeah. get down from there. Come on. Yes. Yes. You have, by the way, I give you full rights to do that. The now. chutzpah of these <laughs> mashuganas. And I said, what are we doing? Yes. yes. Dan, well done. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Rich. Good to talk to you, buddy. Always take care, DP. That's Rich Eisen, the popular host of the NFL Network and the Rich Eisen Show. that follows. You're being show. serious? About this wedding thing? Two weddings this summer. Both had the uh, lift the chair, you know, put the uh, bride and the uh, groom up there on the chairs. So basically everyone, you know, grab, grabs hands and they get around in a circle. And then you pick up, at least at a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah or a wedding, you pick them up uh, individually on a chair and you get go around in a circle yeah. and you play the music. And that's kind of what that's done in the Jewish tradition anyway. I'm at, a, I'm at the waspiest of waspy country clubs. <laughs> it was actually called waspy. I think it's called that. The waspiest of waspy country clubs. And next thing I know, they got the bride and groom up on chairs, you know, dancing around with them. Yeah, Paul. I, was it at Fritzy's son's party? or I can remember Fritzy being picked up in the air once at some event we were at. I think it was at his son's party. Yes. And, and Fritzy, I've never seen someone look that uncomfortable oh in their my life. God. Well, no, when he was on the mechanical bull. Look at it. This was worse because Todd was on a small chair and being held up in the air. And he's just like reaching for air, trying to grab it. And I'm relying on, like, friends and family to, like, hold you up. And all of a sudden you feel yourself slipping a little bit. And one's not holding up the leg of the chair properly. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.